Welcome to the Five Star Life Show, your home for content related to education, parenting, and changing wrong mindsets so you can live a five-star life. I'm your host, Coach Seth. Let's do this. Welcome back to the Five Star Life Show. I'm your host, Coach Seth, and I'm joined in studio with my incredible co-host with an incredibly colorful sweater, Stop. Coach Mia. Oh, thank you, Seth. <laughs> Every week it gets better and bigger, you and know, I love uh, it. We got to upgrade it. We're trying to trying to go big, you know. Mm-hmm. Got to got to improve that intro. I like it. And the sweater is cool. So if you're just listening, you have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> but you know now that you can go to our podcast and you can actually watch this. You can watch the video version of it. So pretty cool. Very cool. Um, so we've got so many incredible things happening with Five Star Life. If you just tuned in, uh, make sure you go to fivestarlife.org. It's the word five, the word star, the word life.org. And get involved, volunteer, donate, uh, learn more about the mission. We're on a mission to change culture. That's a big mission. And we're having so much success at every turn, whether it's with sports, whether it's with kids that are in detention or probation, uh, whether it's with kids in public schools that are involved in our after-school programs, or our video curriculum that's reaching tens of thousands of kids each week, um, we are staying true to our mission, and we're going to spend some time today unpacking uh, one of our most recent lessons we filmed for our kids. And I wasn't here, so this is going to be a lesson for me too, but it's it's a pretty important topic. Yeah, and our theme that we're teaching right now, we're doing a series, uh, really themed rule, which means to have control or dominion. And so many people, Mia, uh, go through life feeling out of control. And the message we're bringing to students and to teachers, adults, is you don't have to go through life feeling powerless, helpless, hopeless, out of control. You can take dominion. You can have authority and control over your life. Now, can you control uh, the thing that we all want to control? Other people? (laughs) No. But often we think because we can't control people, we have no control. We're powerless. It's totally wrong. We control most of our life. We control our own thoughts, our own emotions, our own behavior, our own actions. We control where we go. We control how we talk. We control what we think. We control the size of our dreams. We control our work ethic. We control our personality. We control our knowledge base. We control where we work. We control our bank account. Like we control where we take our cars, (laughs) what airplanes we jump on. We have so much control. And so this idea of being powerless, it doesn't need to be that way. And today, we, we unpacked a lesson for kids talking about one of the greatest mental health uh, problems, probably uh, epidemics uh, of our day, and that is anxiety. So how, how can you rule anxiety? Do you have a definition for anxiety? Uh, I do have a definition of anxiety. It's a feeling of worry, nervousness. Or unease, typically, uh, in regards to a event 
or something imminent and an outcome that you are looking for. Because mm-hmm. I think that word, it's it's overused, right. number one, but then I, I don't think also people know the true definition of it. And, and that's a good place to start. So first of all, let's break that down. So anxiety by definition is a, it starts out by being defined as a what? As a feeling. Mm-hmm. Anxiety is a feeling. And are all feelings true? What do you think? I don't I mean, that's a tough one. Um, I would say, are all feelings true? No. All feelings aren't necessarily based in truth. Mm-hmm. All feelings are real, mm-hmm. right? So it's it's that person that we've all probably done this. You meet someone and you feel like they're stuck up or they don't like you. That's your first impression. You feel that. You feel strongly about that. And several months later, you realize they're a great person. You're best friends. You're connecting. And while the feelings were very real, they weren't true. Mm -hmm. Real feelings, not necessarily true. So the first part of anxiety we've got to break down is recognizing that just because we have a feeling that is worrisome, we're worried about um, what people think about us. We're worried that, um, you know, we don't measure up. We're worried that we're not strong enough, fast enough, smart enough. We're worried that something bad's going to happen at work. Um, we, are, we are worried about all these things. Will people accept me or reject me? Just because you have the feeling doesn't mean it's based in truth. So ultimately what ends up happening is we spend this incredible amount of energy with these feelings of anxiety when they're really not even based in truth. So let's go back to this definition. Uh, Anxiety is a feeling of worry, of nervousness. What are we nervous about? What do you get nervous about? Oh, I was going to say like a student be taking a test. Um, I get nervous of meeting new people, standing up and talking in front of people. Yeah, being in new situations, meeting new people, Mm -hmm. walking into a room, uh, presenting in front of the class, a big performance. We have all these nerves, right? We have anxiety. It's nervousness. And it's uneasiness. It's that sense of being uneasy, uncomfortable. And it's often related to um, an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. You don't know what the outcome is going to be. Like, who knows what it could be? And so this is, when you think about worry, when you think about nervousness or the feeling of unease, can you think of one word that, that ties all those words together? I'm putting you on the spot here. Oh my gosh, I just said this. (laughs) This was going to be a lesson. It's going to be fun for me, putting me on the hot seat. Uh, Tell me that, ask me that question again. So what is one, the one common denominator of worry, of nervousness, of unease? Like anxiety or anxiousness. And another word for it is fear. True. Right? True. So so really, we could simplify our definition of anxiety and just say anxiety is just fear. Mm Mm-hmm. Anxiety is more like an overwhelming fear. It's up in your face. So this is the interesting part of anxiety is we as adults, we we don't like the idea of being afraid because we know fear is kind of a sign of weakness. So anxiety or stress, you hear people call it stress. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, stress is just fear. 
you feel the pressure, you feel the fear to perform, or you feel this fear, this stress that you're not going to get all your work done, or that your kids are going to mess up, or you're stressed about driving in winter weather, and you're, you have anxiety, you have fear that the worst case scenario is going to take place. It's all rooted in fear. And so when you think about fear, fear is rooted in where, in, in what? Where, where, where's fear rooted? I guess in the unknown. Fear is also, well, I'm, let me ask a better question. Okay. That's a really vague, random question. Physiologically, where does fear and anxiety live? Where is it rooted in? Your mind. Our mind. So ultimately, if you want to rule anxiety, it goes back to our mind. It goes back to our thoughts, our mindset. And so many people have dealt with anxiety or fear for so long, it's become a part of them. And it's almost unrecognizable. It's just, we have these, these, these feelings, this undercurrent of anxiety and stress and nervousness in certain areas of our lives that we've almost just allowed to sit there because it's just the way we are. And what we're doing today is, you know, kids maybe don't have it that deeply yet, but for adults, we could have been, we, we can carry these things for years. And so what I want to do is I want to challenge our listening audience to think about what areas of your life you have let anxiety set up shop and it's, you've accepted it, you've embraced it. It's wrapped around you like a blanket in certain situations and you no longer like to go to certain places because it makes you feel nervous. You won't go to certain restaurants, you won't go to certain events, you won't go to certain family gatherings, you won't do certain projects at work. There's just certain things that are off limits because you get too much anxiety. Mm -hmm. And what that is, is that is the very definition of what this lesson's about. That is letting our whole life be ruled by anxiety. It is ruling us, dictating when we come, when we go, what we're going to participate in. And... Again, five-star life, we're here to challenge you to live a five-star life where you're in control. You don't have to let anxiety rule you. And in this next segment, we'll come back and unpack how to do that. Did you know that you can bring the values, lessons, and mindsets Coach Seth discusses on the Five Star Life podcast to your local community? Schools are searching for programs and content that work. Just a simple introduction to your teacher or principal could be a game changer in your community. Inquire at fivestarlife.org and someone from our team will be in touch. Welcome back to the Five Star Life Show. I'm your host, Coach Seth, and I'm joined in studio with my co-host, Coach Mia. Thanks, Seth. We're having a great conversation and I I, I want to kind of just go back a little bit here. So we're talking about anxiety and I think as an adult, like I have never, ever used that word. But I experience all those same feelings, you know, the nervousness. I would call myself high strung. Yeah. You know, and it's like, but. That's because high strung is a cooler word for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I guess. (laughs) I always thought it was like a a worse word for it. And as I've gotten older, I'm like, no, this is, this is anxiety. But it's, it's like, so I, you try to almost conform, but it's, it's a, you know, it's a feeling at the end of the day. Yeah. And it can be, it can be, we can even connect it to like OCD. I just like things a certain way. Or I just, it's just my personality. Mm-hmm. But we, we kind of, in the last time we unpacked the idea that it becomes a part of us. We allow it and we kind of justify it. 
And it's, it's one of the things we do to accept ourselves. And it's, it's so interesting, these very uh, subtle ways that we accept the wrong things in. It's so important to accept who you are, but we, and, and we live in a culture that's always talking about, man, embrace yourself, embrace who you are. But I don't think for the most part, it, it's, it's taken the right context. I want to embrace who I am and I want to embrace my, my masculinity. I want to embrace my, my uh, ethnicity, my skin color. I want to embrace uh, my strengths, my gifts, but and I even want to embrace my weaknesses, but but I don't want to embrace them to keep them. I want to embrace them. Really, it's embrace isn't even the better word. It's really more like I want to acknowledge and identify those mm-hmm. things so I can improve them. Right? I want to be aware. I want to be self aware. I don't want my my head in the sand. So, but yeah, I'm high strong, or I'm this, or I'm that. Interesting point. Mm-hmm. So, what's where do we go from here? So we kind of identified it. Yeah, so you know, you want to identify it, and that's that's one of the first steps. But when you think about the definition, just to catch people up that are just tuning in, we gave the definition of anxiety. It's it's a feeling of worry, uh, nervousness, uneasiness, usually connected to an imminent event or some kind of an outcome, and ultimately, worry, nervousness, uneasiness, all are connected to fear, and so we could simplify our definition of anxiety and just say anxiety is fear, fear is anxiety, right? No matter how we try to pretty it up to make ourselves feel better, we call it stress, anxiety, whatever it is. But this this whole fear is, we feel so self-conscious that we're afraid and we don't want to admit that we have anxiety or fear because it's a sign of weakness. But I want to talk about this because there shouldn't be a stigma about anxiety or fear it's being pushed on us. If we're not afraid, it's because we're really intentional. The only people that aren't afraid and aren't living in anxiety, it's because they've learned how to be very intentional, how to block it out, how to drive it out, and how to rule it. Mm-hmm. But anybody else who's not intentional, you're going to be uh, worrisome. You're going to be fearful because everywhere you turn, the world is pushing fear because fear sells. Fear drives business. Fear controls your behavior. Fear manipulates. Newspapers, uh, TV uh, organizations, uh, they'll all tell you like their marketing is based on fear. Like they're going to talk about the latest disease of the week. They're going to tell you about the latest war. They're going to tell you about the most imminent threat. They're going to tell you about why you need to double lock your doors and get a security system because, you know, the burglars are coming for you. And what are they doing? They're slapping fear, 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 fear about mental health. And if you don't eat this or if you eat that, everything is fear-based. And then you think about often how we're raised, Mia, the adults in our lives have uh, learned to leverage fear to, and it's, it's the, I think the motive most of the time is pure. The motive is as a dad, I need to use fear to motivate my three teenage sons to stay out of trouble, to study hard because they'll drop out. And if you take that and if you try this, you'll, you'll, you'll end up on drugs, hooked on drugs. And so we use fear to motivate them to work harder, to be disciplined, and it's not always a great idea. 
because really what we're doing is we're selling fear. Mm-hmm. Instead of selling uh, values, this the keys to success, we almost back people into success and into uh, behavioral change. So it, all that to say, it's natural that we're afraid because everybody's using it against us. So as a parent, though, like, of course, my mom's 91 and that she's completely fear-based and everything, you know, be careful, lock the door when you get in the car and look around you and, you know, blah, 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 blah. So, I mean, some of that as a parent is just, I guess, preventative. I, you know, I mean, how do you look at those kind of things? Well, does it mean you can't ever talk about situations like fentanyl is a major issue right now in our country, right? They're, they're, uh, it's infiltrating uh, every part of this country. So last night or the night before, I had a conversation with my sons and just said, hey guys, uh, Halloween's coming up. And, uh, and even regardless of Halloween, just, just make sure you're aware like fentanyl has become an issue and there's kids that are dying. So just making you aware of this. So use wisdom. Be very, very careful in candy you take from friends. Really, I would encourage you, like, I wouldn't take anything that's not packaged. And even the packaged stuff sometimes is, is poisoned. It's, it's a crazy world. So am I not going to have the conversation? No. But I, I'm not, that's not necessarily fear-based parenting. That's just a conversation about what's happening. Mm-hmm. So now, if I told them, uh, man, you can't go out to your, you know, like, man, you go with your friends this weekend, you're going you're gonna to have a drug overdose. That, that's me controlling them with fear mm-hmm. and me saying, you're not going to do this, this, or this because of this. Now I'm using fear to control them. Makes sense? Yeah. So, so facts are facts. Mm-hmm. But use, I'm talking about using fear to control and manipulate people. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Give us some examples of like how, what um, kids in middle school, like what are some examples? Um, so goodness sakes. I think when you think about, um, I'll just say personally, it's so easy for me to, I have a son that wants to play college basketball. I know what it takes to play college basketball because I played college basketball. And I know that it's even harder now to play college basketball than when it was when I played. And so it, it is so tempting for me to, to look at his schedule and look at his day and, and to and to use fear to try to drive him to do more. How? So, um, so, so it's things like, hey, if 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 you don't stretch, you're going to get injured. Right. Right. That's fear. If you don't stretch, you get injured. Trying to motivate him through fear, when he's never been injury prone. I mean, everybody has injuries once in a while. Mm-hmm. But instead of saying, hey, if you stretch, your vertical will go up, you'll get quicker, you'll be more dynamic, and it prevents you from injury. But me me trying to manipulate him to do something, if I can push the button and say, hey, dude, you're just, boy, the clock is counting down. You're, you're going to get injured. Every day, don't, don't stretch. You're going to get injured. That's me using fear to manipulate. Or, hey, listen, you better, you better get in that gym. You didn't work out last night. You, you do, man, that's, that's tomorrow in practice when coach yells it for missing a shot because you weren't in the gym. Right. That's me using fear to try to manipulate his behavior. And that's unhealthy. Mm-hmm. That's an unhealthy pressure we put on our kids. And we as parents all do it at times. It's just so important to try to catch it and be aware of it. That's why we're having this conversation. Mm-hmm. So then from that 
manipulation almost, um, that builds, that's where the anxiety starts. And that's where for well, well, yeah. your so, child. So, so you think about that. If I'm saying that over and mm-hmm. over and over, guess what's going to happen? He's going to start thinking, gosh, injuries just, it's around the corner. Or you know what? Uh, I, did, I didn't. I didn't have time to work out last night because I was. I had eight, three AP classes I was studying for. So I, and so man, tomorrow's game. I don't know if I'm going to shoot good. You're planting seeds of fear and anxiety in your kids instead of uh, using uh, truth uh, as the tool to allow them to grow. All right. I want to pause here and just encourage everybody's listening. If you've never been to our website or you're not involved in Five Star Life, I want to encourage you. We have so many things that we're doing that dives into this content but breaks it down for kids. Our video curriculum, this lesson is embedded into our curriculum, into our rule curriculum. Schools all over the country are doing it. If your school, if your kid's school, your grandkid's school is not doing this, connect the dots. Go to our website, uh, inquire reach out to us and make an introduction for us. Um, we right now are on a push. We we want to get into more states. So if you have friends and family members that are in different parts of the country that you know could benefit from this or would be interested, I would love to have a conversation with you. Our team would love to sit down and make that introduction. Go to fivestarlife.org. Five Star Life is a not-for-profit organization dedicated to changing the face of culture by changing kids' mindsets. Since 2005, we've impacted hundreds of thousands of lives thanks to the generous support of individuals, small businesses, corporations, and foundations. Are you interested in helping Five Star Life grow into all 50 states? With your donation or introduction, you can help bring Five Star Life to your community, school, and state. Go to fivestarlife.org and send us an email today. That's F-I-V-E-S-T-A-R-L-I-F-E dot O-R-G. So we were having the conversation about anxiety, and you were you gave us the definition of anxiety, and then we talked about really where, where does it start, and it starts with fear. It starts with fear, and again, that, that definition, anxiety is a feeling mm-hmm. of worry, nervousness, unease, and uh, the, the interesting thing is all of this stuff is rooted in fear, and fear is rooted in our thinking, in our mind, in our thought process. So I want to ask everybody a question. Um, raise your hand if, if you uh, practice meditation um, in some form. Okay, so... Uh, if you're by yourself, you're like, okay, I had to raise my hand, Coach Seth. Uh, all of your hands should have went up because every single person on the planet practices meditation. I know there's some people are like, oh yeah, absolutely. I do it all the time. And others are like, well, that's super weird. Um, I don't, I'm not a believer. I think it's kind of hokey. Um, but the reality is the definition of meditate means to just simply think deeply about something for a period of time. We all do that. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we think deeply about that special someone. <laughs> we think deeply about our financial situation. We think deeply about what's happening at work. Uh, kids think deeply about fitting in, being accepted. We think deeply about a lot of things. But the million-dollar question is, do we meditate and think deeply on accident? Or do we meditate and think deeply on purpose? So... People who meditate, 
on purpose. They're, they're meditating on purpose. They're being intentional. All of us meditate on accident, and research says 85% of our thoughts are prone to the negative. So what we think about accidentally, what we meditate on accidentally, is what causes anxiety. It's thinking about that situation with that coworker. Why do they want to meet with me? It's, and we automatically meditate on the worst case scenario. They hate us. They're talking behind our back. I'm going to be you know, reprimanded. I'm going to be in trouble. I'm going to be fired. Or you name the situation. We're prone to think about the negative. And that is exactly how and why we are ruled by anxiety. Because we're meditating, not on purpose, but on accident. And so th- there's a really simple key that research says can set you free from being bound by anxiety, from being ruled by anxiety. And it is starting to take control and, and start to rule anxiety by practicing meditation. So thinking on purpose, thinking deeply on purpose. And when you start to think deeply on purpose, you literally, it's like flipping a light switch on. So as a kid, I remember I was afraid of the dark. Every kid at some point is afraid of the dark. And I'd be in bed at night and I'd wake up and have to use the restroom or whatever. And I would just be like holding it in, dreading getting out of bed. Why? Because I'm imagining, I'm thinking deeply about all the things that could be in the dark. And I would finally get out and sprint to the bathroom, down the hallway, down the stairs. And I would like, I'd be like high stepping it because I'm picturing <laughs> hands reaching out for my legs. And, and, and then if you just flip the lights on, there's nothing there. This is the difference between thinking on accident, meditating on accident, and meditating on purpose. Meditating on purpose flips the light on and exposes darkness. Things aren't as scary. Instead of it being dark and gloomy and fearful, now all of a sudden it's bright. You can see clearly. It's exciting. So, so if, if, like for me, my anxiety as, as a teenager was around basketball, right? As an adult, it became around public speaking, which is one of the top fears people have. So I, I have a profession that is people are freaked out of. And so I started out being freaked out because I never wanted to do this. <laughs> I wanted to help people. I didn't want to speak in public. Um, so I had to overcome this anxiety, this panic I'd get in front of people where I would, I would, I would literally freeze. I'd forget what I was going to say. Like the night before, I'd, my stomach would be in knots. I would picture myself panicking. I'd picture the people not liking what I was saying or rejecting me. I'd, I would, it was dark. But when I learned that I could actually start to think on purpose, imagine on purpose what I wanted, I was starting to practice meditation. And here's three simple pieces that, that really, if you walk through these, it will help in, in any area that you have anxiety. For public speaking, I went from being a panicky, nervous person in front of people to being a calm person that thinks only about how can, like, I want to make sure people are impacted by this and I'm going to bring out the best in people. People Their lives are going to be changed. That's all I'm thinking about. Because meditation is a process of just, if you've never done it, 
just it's just calm pausing to be calm calming your mind calming your your being whether you have 30 seconds or 30 minutes but it, it's also you're you're thinking about a positive you're replacing the anxious thought with a good thought a positive thought yeah well it, and i would say before you even don't even worry about that yet like j- just find a space when you feel anxiety and feel panic and you feel fear just pause where you are it can take a minute take 30 seconds you pause take some deep breaths just the deep breathing, mm-hmm. physiological, it starts to shake off some of that stuff and focuses you in and moves that, some of that stuff outward. If you're in a place like in your car, in your office, close your eyes. Closing your eyes blocks out 85% of the distractions and the stuff that is going to keep you from getting grounded again. So, so now you're taking some deep breaths. You've closed your eyes. Now literally take 10 seconds just to just to breathe deeply and then think about one thing with the area that you have experienced anxiety think about what you like your desire in that area so for me for public speaking my desire is that i can help people so i'm i'm now meditating thinking about what i desire people are going to be transformed when they overcome anxiety if they latch on to what i'm talking about and start to think deeply and meditate on purpose and start to recognize that that's a big deal. So, so, so I'm, I'm thinking about what I desire. And then next I'm going into what, what do I believe can happen in this situation? And then I move into what do I expect to happen? So now I'm starting to visualize uh, people engaging with whatever I'm saying from the platform mm-hmm. and th- th- it's resonating, it's going in. And I'm now thinking about the impact it's going to have on their life, on their work life, on their family, on their spouse, on their kids, on their relationships, on their health, on their creativity. Because when fear is there, fear blocks you. The lights are dark. You can't be creative. Right. You can't think beyond your fear. And so you're living in this really small world. So as you're thinking about what you desire, what you believe, what you expect, the, the lights come on and you start to get a vision that is exciting, that is invigorating, that you can't wait to see what happens. You can't wait to do something. So it motivates you where when the lights are off and you're thinking on accident, you're trying to run the other way. It's heavy. It's dark. You want to avoid it. Th- this is such a liberating thing and you can... I can do this. You get a bad report. You get a bad situation that pops up throughout the workday. And in 30 seconds, I can redirect my energy into problem solving into action. This is a, 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 a strong uh, key to, to starting to rule anxiety and rule your life. You can let it rule you or you can rule it. It's just a choice. This is also the reason that probably everybody in our office goes to Seth, (laughs) we have a problem. (laughs) But it's because you, I mean, you explaining that, it's exactly the energy that you give off. And you really truly feel like when you're around, when we're listening to you, that you you can do anything, that you truly believe the best for me and you see the best in me. Love that. That's encouraging. And that's something that um, you think about the opposite of fear and anxiety. There's nothing better in the world than when you're giving. When there's this outflow of, of who you are, 
when there's an outflow, there's also a connection. You start connecting with people and that removes fear. And, and it just opens your whole life up. Um, I, I am so excited. I, I really, for those of you who have struggled with anxiety, today's the day it's going to change. If you can, first of all, recognize it and then start to practice this, this meditation, I would do it proactively on a daily basis, like carve out at the beginning of your day, at the end of the day, carve out time to get into a disciplined habit, and then you'll start to find yourself using it throughout the day and throughout the week. And I want to hear from you. Please reach out to us, fivestarlife.org. Send us information how this lesson helped you on, you know, any, any other thoughts or feedback you have. We'd love to hear from you. But we are out of time. Go visit us at fivestarlife.org. Five Star Life offers year-round programs for kids at our 350-acre training facility that we call Summit. These programs focus on three core components. First, each program includes lessons from our curriculum that targets kids' mindset. Secondly, each program teaches a skill like equine, archery, blacksmithing, basketball, fishing, boating, and many more. Thirdly, our programs connect kids to mentors we call coaches who are trained to help kids live a five-star life. Go to 5starlife.org to learn more or sign up your kids. Welcome back to the 5 Star Life Show. I am here closing this segment out without my co-host, Coach Mia. But instead, I've got the one and only Coach Bray, the Director of Basketball Operations for 5 Star Life Basketball. Bray, welcome back to the show. Thanks, recurring number one recurring guest. <laughs> That's right. You're, you're it. I'm just going to say that every time I come on. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, Bray, uh, give us a little update on five-star basketball. What's new? Again, if you were just tuning into this program and you're like, what is five-star basketball? Can you walk them through kind of what we do? Yeah. So our basketball program is for um, any grade, really, first through 11th grade. We offer a ton of different programming from developmental leagues to the best of the best in terms of travel teams. So it really doesn't matter what you're looking for. We have something everywhere in between there. If you're just looking to get better through some training, to get better through camps and clinics, opportunities to grow is how we want to, you know, we want to offer those those to players and kids. And um, so so it's it's really cool. I have a, I have a blast going from like, hey, I coached a really good team this summer, and then we go to like a youth development league with a bunch of first graders, and it's kind of like. Man, the difference in this is just so, you know, obviously they're first graders, but it's just like, okay, I got to completely change the way I'm talking to these kids, right? Which I have a lot of fun with that. And honestly, I've been having more fun than I have ever had with the younger players. Um, I used to almost dread the youth development league because, like, man, these kids are just like hard to manage. But then I was like, oh, I just got to change the way I interact with them. And it's become it's become really fun. So, and you're about to have a third child. Well, I not am. you, but your wife. Yes. Yep. So, so that changes you too. Like me having kids, it totally changed, and it kind of raised the bar in how I work with kids. Because when you have your own kids, it's it's kind of different. You know, it's very different. It's um, I, I make the joke all the time. Uh, ever since I had my first kid, I've gotten soft. <laughs> so like soft in like the ways that I would have never thought I'd be soft. So like, I'm still a hard nosed coach. Like we're going to get after it, but you know, I can't watch the lion King now with my kid without crying. Like I just, <laughs> I, I can't help it, you know? And like that relates to these kids, like the team I had this summer, love these kids to death, tremendous kids, great families. We've been riding together for the last two or three years. You know, we capped off our last tournament together with a championship I couldn't even talk to him the first five minutes because I was like, I was getting emotional. Like I was like, gosh, dang, I, 
I made the I was like, I hate you guys, but I was like, I love them so much that like I was sitting there like I was in tears. I couldn't even give the final like, hey, this is our last go. I was just like, man. So, but you, you fall in love with the kids, and and you know that's what it's all about at the end of the day. Well, it was like graduation day when you work with kids for so many years, and then it's their senior year, and that they. Everything that you told them and their parents for the last several years about commitment, about sacrifice, about working out, about training, about playing the game the right way. And, and hey, guys, guess what? Don't worry about payday now. Payday will come. And when you cap it off with a season in a summer like you guys had where you're beating all these circuit teams, you're winning championships, you're, you know, at the yeah. top. Mm-hmm. That, that that's a that's and it's it's funny because the championships matter, but it's all of the 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 memories and the little moments and all yep. those little idiosyncrasies that that makes it emotional because it's family. You know, you say like it's the process, and every kid on that team that I asked, like, hey, what's your what's your best memory of us as a group? And they all say, I don't know if it's the best memory, but like, I'll never forget those two weeks coming out of COVID. So like, we were instead of just running back into the gym, like when we were allowed to get back in the gym, we I put together a two-week conditioning program so that we wouldn't have, I was, I was worried about injuries coming back, kids yeah. were doing nothing. So it was like strength, speed, agility, conditioning for two straight weeks. We called it like team camp, one of the weeks where we were there for four hours. And we worked on obviously some team concepts, but like it was a grind of, and every one of those kids was like, I will never forget that ever. And I, But that was two years ago. Wow. You know, so it's like, yeah, we've won championships between then, but they remember like all the, like the hard, how hard it was to get to where we were, you know? So that was cool. Special. So, you know, five-star basketball, you're working with elite players that are at the end. And obviously you had uh, just about everybody on that team has college offers. Everybody on that team that wants to play college basketball will be playing college basketball. Yep. And then you're going to first graders, second graders. What are some of the opportunities um, for parents right now? So our Youth Development League registration is open. That's first through fourth grade. Um, tremendous league for, especially for beginners, but I tell everybody, I'm like, you can, you're not good enough to be in the league because the same drills that we do in this league, I did with my high school teams this summer where it's all about footwork, it's being great with our feet, um, playing on two feet, just basic fundamentals, teaching the game. You can never stop teaching the game, even at an elementary level. So, um, even if you think your your son or daughter is a it lights it up and they're in fourth grade, like this is still something that they have to continue to focus on. So, no player is too good for it, but it is very it is also there for the elementary kids of just hey, we got to understand the game, learn the game, uh, develop the fundamentals, and start building those habits, and then. I'm hoping by the end of this week, or probably when this when this uh, episode airs, we will have our registration open for our three on three league. So this is our second year we're going to do that. That's going to be in February, uh, and um, that was I'm really excited about that. And that's going to be from fifth through eighth grade boys and girls. So um, teaching the game in a three on three concept, right? And I think we've talked about this a couple times on the radio, but I think you know our read on this is that development through the quickest way to help these kids develop is going to be through three-on-three concepts where it forces them to handle the basketball. It forces them to guard in space and more space. It You can't hide anybody. So, you know, you're playing five-on-five five and you have one kid that can't function. You can put him in the corner and say, stay there, right? But you can't in three-on-three, three, so it forces that development. Uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to our second year of that. Last last year was well, great 
first year, I, I passed every one of my expectations in terms of the league. So we're just super excited to get that going again. That is the first two weeks is training. So we literally, we work on three on three concepts and we work on fundamentals, skill work, footwork, you know, very, we lay it out very similarly to our uh, youth development league where it's done in stations. We get a ton done in those hours and then right into three on three gameplay. So <clears throat> I love this league because uh, it, it's Europe is actually ahead of us in the way they develop basketball. Mm -hmm. That's why they're they're they've been creeping up slowly, but now they're starting to win a lot of these tournaments, yeah. you know, these international tournaments, and um, it, it's because they all know how to play. They understand spacing, and it's just fun to watch. It's fun to play, and you can go to a lot of places, a lot of gyms where you can play basketball, but. There's only one place in this region that you can go where you're going to actually get fundamentals and understand basketball IQ, like how the game is supposed to be played. And it's so f disappointing that kids at a young age, when you don't know where to send your kids to get their first experience, they go, they have a lousy experience because it's five on five and their kid has never played before, so they're probably not very good. And so they stick them in a corner and they're screaming for the ball and they get it four times throughout the game. And they say, I don't think after six weeks, they're like, I don't think I want to play basketball. I'm not a basketball player. When it's just not even even close to being the truth. Yeah. Get them an environment where they can learn how to play the game, practice playing the game. And then in a three-on-three -three setting where they can get reps against kids of like skill, it's more touches. It's more fun. Yes, absolutely. Um, it was cool to see. Like, So obviously at every league you have, you're going to have teams that are a little advanced in, in certain areas. You're going to have teams that are more beginner. And I thought everybody, it doesn't matter if you have the best team or you're the worst team in that league last year, everyone showed significant improvement just through those new concepts that we were teaching and working in three on three. And it doesn't make, um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't like the separation of talent necessarily didn't show as much sometimes as it does in five on five, if that makes sense. So yeah, there were some teams that struggled, but there were some teams that were better, clearly better. Right. But the development that those players got, they got more out of that than they would have in a five-on-five -five setting, if that yeah. makes sense. So, Good. What else? Um, so after we're working on some additional camps and clinics towards the first quarter of next year, um, we have a membership program coming up that we're super excited about. Um, look, we want to be the place that everyone in our area comes and plays basketball. So our memberships are going to include access to open gyms, uh, discounts on our camps and clinics and there's going to be two tiered memberships um so you can get you know those two things and or work towards um getting free clinics based on what level of member you are uh, access to our doctor dish machine is included in your membership so again we want to become the place that everyone goes to to develop their games and we have the facility for it and we want to use it so and all of our values, our DNA uh, goes deep within everything we do. So, uh, Bray, thank you so much. We're out of time. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. At Five Star Life, we are changing the face of culture through education and sports by changing the most important piece of a human being's life, their mindset. If you are interested in being a part of our journey, please visit fivestarlife.org for more information on volunteer and donation opportunities.